God is good. You can open up your Bibles, if you would, to Judges, chapter 6. The message tonight is there's more to you than meets the eye. And Pastor Pam has just shared pretty much everything between worship and between this and, and, and not necessarily the story I'm going to use or the part of the Bible that we're going to talk about or share from, but the principle of the things that she said. Like the most important thing that we're going to talk about today is you have to believe what God says about you. There's more to you than meets the eye. I don't care how old you are. I don't care the situation, circumstances you've been through. There is more on the inside of you than what you've seen. There's more on the inside of you than what other people have seen. And you're here in this earth for a reason. And I think many times we have a, you know, a bad thing happened to us here, a bad thing happened to us there. You know, I've met people in school who have just had one bad thing after another as a young person and they're so beat down and the world's against them and the system's against them and their parents are against You know, they're like the lowest of the low and they got no hope. And you know, for just an instance, you get to breathe a little hope into their life. And then what happens from there begins to change their existence as they continue to rely on God and they continue to open up themselves to the things that God has for them. But I would tell you this, and it's a little bit like this story about Gideon. God has spoke something into your life. He shared something with you in your life. Just like he does with Gideon here. He's, he's, he's spoken something, but you have to be the one who believes that. You have to be the one that that is able to stand on his word about you. See, Pastor Pam had to be able to get to a point in her life where she could stand on the word of God. Beyond a husband, beyond children, beyond family, beyond all those kind of things, she had to get to the point where she could, she could know that God was her source and the things that he said about her, the things that he shared with her, the stuff that he told her, the stuff that he poured into her was more true than anything else in the earth. And when she got to that point, off we moved. His name was Chris, wasn't it? The guy who, he was cool. He got to, we played video games all the way home. It was the coolest ride ever. Because we were going to have to ride with mom in that car. And we didn't want to ride with mom in that car all the way home while he drove that truck. And then we found out he couldn't drive the truck. And we were like, yes. <laughs> so we got to ride with him. He had his foot up out the window and he played video games. We'd pass him back and forth. And it was dangerous. <laughs> it made it all the more fun. It says here in Gideon, it says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat underneath the tree, which was an Oprah, which belonged to Joash, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us, and where are all his miracles? All the things that our fathers have told us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us, and he's delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So then he even has a little bit more of an opportunity here, and he says, So he said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. We're, we've all been in this situation, or are in this situation where God is speaking something to you, just like he did with Pastor Pam in that particular situation when we lived in Tulsa. But somewhere along the way, it's just not God speaking it to you. It's a twofold deal. He speaks it to you, and you've got to believe him. I tell kids all the time when I taught math, Look, I am telling you the truth. You have to believe me. There were even times when we would take a test and I would say, the answer to number four is C. And then I would get the test and I would grade them all and every single person would miss it. 
And then I would say, this, the answer really was C. Oh, it couldn't be. You told me. You're tricking me. I'm not tricking you. God's not tricking you when he says these things about you. It's the truth. He wasn't tricking Gideon into going out there and making a fool of himself. He was telling Gideon the truth. You are a mighty man of valor. The things that God speaks to you, the things that he puts in your heart, are far beyond, for the most part, where we are. That's why he's the one that has to tell us, I know who I am. I'm 42. I've been around me the whole time. I know all those days. I know all the good things and the bad things. I know all the stuff I've done. I, I got a pretty good idea what I can do in the natural and what I can't do. But by faith, I'm grasping onto what God says I am and what God says I can do. See, because it, the things that God speaks are out here and they take faith. Get on Daystar, Daystar watch that, channel 295. Get on, you can get online. You can find that online. Kenneth Copeland has great stuff online. You can find all of those messages online. You can see what's going on. But if you're not going to believe what God says about you, then you'll never see what God said about you. She could believe things about me all day long, but there came a time in my life, and you've heard this story before, where she said, Honey, you're going to have to live on your own faith. You're going to have to get out there. I pray for you. I'll stand for you. I'll speak the word. I'll do all those things. But if you're going to be who God called you to be, you're going to have to live by faith, and it's going to be your faith. And there were lots of times she said, you were there, you saw what God did, you saw, you know what's the truth, but you have to live it. And somewhere in your life, you come to a realization that you're going to have to either believe what God said, or you're just not going to do it. And if you believe what God said, you begin to see victory, you begin to grow, you begin to get big faith muscles. But if you don't believe what God says about you, you become discouraged, you become disappointed, and all of a sudden you're over here in just the gutter. That's not a good place for us to be as believers. Gideon had a choice at this moment. He even tried to worm out of it a little bit by telling God all about him. Well, God knows all about you. Don't take the time to tell God all the wrong things. Don't tell God all the bad things. Don't tell God all the reasons why you can't do something. He's trying to tell you that you can. He's not trying to say, hey, hey, go out there. And then he sits back here and says, watch him fall over. He said, Gideon, here's the deal. You're going to go out and you're going to save the people. He just told him that. In this last part, it said, The Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Now, Gideon has to begin to, to make a choice, just like each one of us has to begin to make a choice. In James, you know, in chapter, chapter 2, it says that faith takes action, that faith without works is dead. And here's the thing. I think many times we get a really nice picture of who we are, of what God said about us, what Pastor Pam and Bill have preached and taught and showed us over the years, all the things that God's, this is who I am in Christ. And, you know, we have a, a list of I am the, I'm the head and not the tail, and I'm above and not beneath. And we have all these things that Pastor had us, you know, say after him. And all of a sudden we're kind of pumped up and we're kind of built up. But then we go away and we have this moment where we begin to, Maybe we question it, or maybe we just plumb forget it, one or the other. But once we start to kind of go away from the source of that thing that was bringing us in that direction, it all begins to wane. If you look in James in chapter 1, real quickly, you can put your finger there. We're going to go through the rest of Judges uh, as we go. But in James chapter 1, it says in verse 22, and we're going to go through like 25 here or so. But it says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. And here's the problem. If you're going to believe, see the word believe, is, it, it talks about, it, it, it's an it's a action word. You know, it produces obedience in your life. You begin to follow after the things that you believe. Your, your actions begin to line up with those things. So if you say you believe, 
you're actually going to become a doer of the word. And it says, be doers of the word, not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. And then it goes on, it says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, but then he goes away. For he observes himself and he goes away and immediately he forgets what kind of man he was. And how many times has that been us, maybe in a service or in a situation or a moment when we're in our prayer life and we're, God's speaking to us and we got, we're, we're, really, we're really in a moment where God is really showing us something and we're saying, yes, 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 that's me. And you're getting stirred up and you're getting excited. And then all of a sudden you walk out the door and maybe you get, you know, the devil shows his head or maybe something comes here. Maybe, you're, you know, your husband gets mad or your wife gets mad and... Maybe your husband hits you with a rock in the eyeball with a weed eater like I did this week. So, you know, I mean, that's, you know, and then all of a sudden you forget who you are. See, all of a sudden it just starts to go this direction. That's not us. If you go on here, it says, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. So we go out and we face those situations, we face those circumstances that come against us, and we don't turn away from the things that we know are true. We don't turn away from the things that we heard. We remember those things. See, it says stir up the gift, and all of a sudden begin to stir up the gift, and the things that Pastor Bill led us in some confession along the way, that begins to come out of your mouth. You begin to speak that into your situation. See, now all of a sudden I'm not the person who's forgetting who I am, not the person who's falling away, but I'm going to say, okay, this is who it is. This is, it's on. Have you ever said that to somebody, maybe, you know, in a bad situation, you know, your husband's poking you, your wife's prodding you, and all of a sudden you say, that's it, it's on, come on. Now, don't do that at home, and don't do that with people around, but do that with the enemy. When he begins to come, and he begins to pick, and he begins to prod, and he begins to poke at you, then it's time to get it on. See the sword, right? Get it on. Begin to speak the word. Begin to believe what God said about you. The devil doesn't tell you who you are, he tells you who you aren't. You know, but I was like that. But you're not like that anymore. You're a new creature in Christ. So then you begin to tell him who you are in Christ. You begin to tell him what you have in Christ. You begin to bind the enemy from working in your life. You begin to loose God's will. See, those are the things that the Word of God says. And you're a whole different person. Now why? Because you believe it. You're living it. You're acting it. When you were faced with something that was contrary to that, you didn't back down, right? We talked about that last couple weeks ago. We stepped forward in faith. And we began to speak the truth. There were plenty of times, plenty of instances where she could have given up. I mean, we were out there a long time. I mean, it wasn't a long time. It was a year. I was 12. It seemed like eternity that we lived in that place. But there were plenty of opportunities to give up. There were plenty of opportunities when we didn't have anything. I mean, that, that was all there. But, but thank God she didn't. See, but that was just the first step, you know? I mean, that was just the first, in, you know, and now she goes from there, she comes back and gets married, and woo, hallelujah, nah. I mean, in the natural, you know, it was great. Bill was a good guy, you know, but, but that didn't mean that it was all done. That was just the, begin, it was the foundation to the thing that God was building in her life. And then each layer and each thing and each room, or however you want to put it, there became another choice for her. To say, I believe, I believe, I believe. No matter what it was, move back out to Oklahoma, go to Bible school. You know, I mean, all of those kind of things that Bill was doing, that was, we were going, all of those things took faith. Gideon's coming through his first little thing right here. Maybe you've been through four or five little things like that. That doesn't mean there's not going to be a sixth one. God's going to take you from here to there. And somewhere in your life, somewhere each one of us, are dealing with something that God's speaking about us and we have to make the decision if we're going to believe it or not. Don't fight it. 
Believe it. Gideon tried to, and he kind of gave it up a little bit here and there. But I'm going to be like the person who looks in there and sees that thing. And if you look down in Judges in, in chapter, seven, or chapter 6, verse 17, that's when he starts to make that decision. And he says, if I found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that, is, that it is you who talks to me. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you. And he brings out all the offering and everything else. And then in verse 20 it says, The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on the rock and pour out the broth. And then the angel of the Lord, it says, Put out the end of the staff and that, was in his, that was in his hand. And he touched the meat and the bread. And the fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now Gideon perceived. He had a moment. It says, Gideon perceived then at that time that he was the angel of the Lord. The guy touched it with a stick and the rock came on fire and burned up the stuff. Yeah, it's probably more than perceived. He probably went, wow! I mean, you've had those instances, you know, where you've gone like, wow, God is good. Pastor Bill takes the money and he gives it away and we needed some food and then we got a lasagna. Was that the way that, one, that particular one went when we were out in Tulsa? He had an opportunity where he found a check that he thought he gave to the church, but he didn't give it. We didn't have any money and didn't have any food. No, that was somebody who came up and gave you another check. That was another time. Lots of times we didn't have any money, so that, I, I get them all confused. I didn't like lasagna, but I liked it that day because I didn't have nothing else to eat. So I was glad that that particular day somebody came through. There were days we came home. I mean, we lived in an apartment complex that was rough. There was an Indian rapist loose, and my brother and I were, you know... I'm 12 years old, and he's 10 and stupid. And so we're trying to, you know, we're trying to protect her. We make this big cop thing, so we bust the doors open, and we're telling them, hey, get the dogs! And Matt's going, row, 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 row. And so we're going through the house, you know, to get all the Indian rapists out the back door so my mom can be safe and my sister will be all right, you know. So we weren't smart. And we almost tripped over the groceries, you know, somebody put on our porch or whatever. God knows where you are. And if you'll follow him and if you'll take step by step, he'll light the rock on fire and he'll burn up your food and you'll know it's God. Because nobody knew. I mean, who knew that she gave away the last dollar she had? Who knew that Pastor Bill was, was, was fighting on the inside of him whether or not he was going to take that $100 or whatever it was and he was going to take it and go home and get food instead? But he had to say, oh, God, is it, I know it was yours. And God said, hey, you know, whatever. And so he said, oh, okay. So he plants the seed. Who knew he did that when somebody comes up and gives him a check for the same amount? Who knew that? Who knew? God did. See, God did. And he, at that point, believed God more than he believed that check that he had. He believed the truth of the Word of God, that He would take care of us in that moment and in that instant. Gideon was in that place, and now all of a sudden the rock comes on fire and burns itself, and he says, okay, I get it. I am the man. Now, we're all in that place somewhere. I mean, you're all in that, in that spot. God has spoken something to you. You've seen Him come through. He's burned up the rock, and you've gone down and taken the camp, just like happens in this story. But there's just going to be another rock and another instance and another time that God speaks something to you. He's bringing you along in faith. You don't want to stay put. There's not a stay put in faith. There's a forward in faith or there's a slide down in faith. There's not like, I'm cool for now. I'm just going to be all right right here. Well, no, you won't. You ever try to tread water? You'll eventually drown. So, I mean, you may be like comfortable for a while and it might be like really nice water. All good and you're... But eventually, you're going to sink and drown. Unless you go somewhere else. Unless you swim to some other place. Unless you get to the next thing that God has for you. And the deal is you can't have everything. 
You can't have both sides. You can't have the world and you can't have the word. You have to have one or the other. And too many of us are trying to have both. You know, too many of us want every, we want it all. We want the cake and to eat it too and all those kind of things. And the thing that we're searching for is in him and that is all. But we, we don't, we're like, ah, I don't really want that all. I kind of want that all, but I, wanna, I want this all too. And I, can, I, can I just do this over here and still be able to do that over there? But you can't, you can't serve those two things. It doesn't work that way. And immediately, what does God have Gideon do? If you read this and you go back through, in verse 25 it says, Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and then cut down the wooden image that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord. Get rid of, get rid of the other altar. Get rid of the other God. Now, that didn't ha make everybody happy in the situation. If you read on here, there's a little place where people were starting to get a little ticked off at him. But you have to, once you, you say, okay, God, this is you, you're speaking to me, I believe this is what you're saying to me, then you've got to get rid of this stuff that's keeping you from being that. You have to get rid of this stuff that's keeping you from going there. You have to get rid of the stuff in your life or sacrifice the thing in your life that's going to stop you from becoming all he wants you to be. There's something. There's something somewhere. You know, with Kenneth Copeland, it was, I want to lose weight. I need to lose weight. Okay. Then get rid of gluttony. Whoa, that's powerful. How about just a diet? You know, I'll go on whatever I need to go on. I don't, I don't have a problem with gluttony. He went right to the point. What did he do here with Gideon? He went right to the point. Get rid of the altar. Okay. And what did he do? He took his friends down there, and they busted it all up and did it just like he said. Now, they woke up the next morning, and some people were mad. Well, but that happens. You know, it says in Matthew in chapter 6 that you can't, serve two, you can't serve two gods, you can't serve both. It says either you'll love the one and hate the other or hate the one and love the other. You can't serve God and mammon, and, and really it's like materialism. I mean, you can't, you, can't, you can't do that. Things can't have you. We didn't have nothing, so it was easy to learn that lesson. We, you know, we, were, we didn't have nothing. But, but when I got stuff, I wanted to hold on to it. What's that about? She's throwing away more of my stuff than I ever knew I even had. So she's she got no problem throwing away my, my materialism, whatever that is. But you know, the rich young ruler, he 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 was a he was a, he was a guy who wanted everything that God had for him. He wanted every, he wanted eternal life. That was the original question. But when it came down to what he had to do to get it, he was sorrowful and sad because he didn't want to give up the things that he had. God's not asking you today to empty out your pockets and your purses and pour it all out here and make a big thing. At the, he's just saying, hey, get rid of your attachment to those things. The attachment to things, the attachment to people, the attachment to situations, all those things will keep you from serving God. It will keep you from being like Gideon and moving down the hill and taking the camp. It will keep you from that. And you can pretend and you can think, oh, no, not me. Uh-huh, you. Because uh-huh, me too. I've been drugged through so many knot holes, man. I, I mean, I, I remember, I, I've been telling people this story, and I won't tell you what the situation was, but I was with Pastor Pam having lunch. If she asks you to lunch, run. No, it's good for you. <laughs> Not the food, but what she says. Elizabeth and I were sitting down with her, and she began to tell me some things <clears throat> about, about something in, in, in our life that we were going to have to give up. And at that point, I'd been through so many things, and I'd given up so much to, to, to be able to do the things that God had for me to do and for what, you know, I mean, I, like, and I was laying all kinds of stuff down. I mean, some of it was bad stuff, I guess, but, you know, at that point in my life, I was doing what was right. I was laying down stuff I liked. 
You know, I mean, that, that's, that's when you have to start laying down things that you enjoy, you know, it's easy to lay things down you hate. You know, I mean, if you don't like doing it anyway and God says get rid of it, you're like, awesome. I didn't want to do that anyway anymore. But this was something I liked, you know, and I mean, it was just, it was like, man, I've given up everything. And I, I said, I am not going to give that up. No way. I've given up everything. You know, that's, you know, start throwing a fit. I've given up everything. There's no way. Well, eventually I had to come to the realization that I needed to give that up. And not give it up in the natural, but give it up spiritually and say, you know what, I don't want those, those ties aren't going to keep me from doing the things that I need to do. I can't allow that thing, a tie to a person or a tie to a situation or a tie to a whatever that is, I can't let that keep me from that. See, and the rich young ruler did. And it says in Luke, and you can look there in Luke chapter 18. And it was, you know, just an opportunity for this young man to grow. And it says in verse 23, but when he heard this, when he heard Jesus say that, he became very sorrowful for he was very rich. He had a lot of stuff. And then it goes on and it says, how hard is it for a person who has riches to enter the kingdom of God? For it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a man that's rich to enter the kingdom. The problem wasn't the stuff. It was the serving the two masters. It was like, hey, I want eternal life, but I don't want to give up my, my stuff. And then it goes on and it says, Peter said, see, we've given it all up. You know, Peter, he's always like, hey, 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 look at us. We've got it going on. We're good. And Jesus says, as surely I say to you, there is no one who has left the house, the parents, the brothers, or the mothers, or the wives, and the children, and all those things for my sake or the sake of the kingdom of God, who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come, that eternal life. Gideon tore down the altar because he didn't want anything to stand. God said, tear it down. He went and tore it down. He didn't say like, oh, you know, but that's my dad's. That's the people in the house. I mean, they're like, they really like that. And can I just like, I'll just cut up the bull over here. But, you know, I'll just build you an altar over here and just let them kind of keep their thing. Uh-uh. It was go tear that thing up and then build a new altar in its place. And he did. He didn't make that kind of attachment to that stuff. We need to not have an attachment to those things. Whatever it is that God's spoken to you, you begin to believe it. Then you begin to act in faith. And it may be something that's tough for you on the natural, but it's an exchange that you make with God, just like what Pastor Pam said earlier. It's an exchange that you give up. It says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. But if you read that, it says right before that, it says give up your tough burden. It says give up all that hardness, give up that stuff. It's in, it's in, it's in Matthew in chapter 11. I always say his yoke is easy, his burden is light, but then I realized today and the word that God gave me was transfer. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But what did you, you were the ones who were laboring and heavy laden. There's an exchange that's made. All of, the, all of this that's holding you captive, you get rid of all that stuff. That thing that I was trying to hold on to, even though it wasn't a bad thing, it was a good thing, but that was something that was holding me down. That was a, that was a labor. I was heavy laid. I had to realize that his yoke is easy, his burden is light in every situation. So when you begin to believe that, you begin to get rid of the stuff that's around you, you begin to take his yoke on you. Now all of a sudden Gideon says, oh yeah, I'm the man. And then as you go back, the next part of that, of that chapter, the last part of chapter 6 in Judges, is the fleece. 
And, you know, we teach in, in, in determining divine direction and we teach in hearing the voice of God that, that we're New Testament believers and that we don't really throw that fleece out to God. But we do have an opportunity to say, God, I need confirmation in my life. I, I've heard you. I, I, I really believe this is you. And then all of a sudden, you know, Joyce Meyer's on TV saying the same thing. Pastor Pam speaks a message. Is it just what God put in your heart? Somebody has a word for you somewhere. Somebody begins to pray for you and they're praying the exact thing that you heard God say. See, it's not the first time you heard it. It's not, it's not like news to you. It's confirmation in your heart. And what Gideon was doing in this situation with the fleece was saying, okay, God, see, right before that, it says that, that he knew it was God. He said, okay, the fire, the rock, the burned up, everything's good. It says in my Bible at the bottom, it says, Gideon did not request the sign of the fleece to determine God's will, but to gain a deeper, a deepened assurance. And that's who God was. Now, the fleece part was Old Testament. In the New Testament, we have the Holy Spirit alive on the inside of us. They didn't necessarily have that going on at the time. You have confirmation. I mean, I don't want to have to be like the third confirmation or the fourth, but, but if you get to be like me sometimes, you're like, okay, that's confirmation number 42, but if you could just give me 43, you know, and that just, that just, that's just a burden. That's just a holding down. That's just a keeping you back. That's just a down here. Today, you know, it's going to be an opportunity for you to believe the truth about you to believe the truth. Let God confirm it to you. Fine. That's great. But you're going to begin to believe the truth about what God says. Get rid of all the stuff that's not that. Get rid of all the lies of the enemy. Get rid of all the past and all the things that try to hold you back. Believe the truth about who you are. Because it's his truth that always leads us. His truth always leads us to victory. But he will pare you down. If you look in Gideon then and go into chapter 7, this is, this is the point where Gideon gets ready to go. And he has his army, and he's going, he's going to go down and face the Midianites. He's going to go down and, and, and go to battle, but he has his group. He's got all of his people. See, and here's the thing. When, when, you, when you get to that position in your life and you get ready to go, there's a paring down that happens in your life because it's always him and not you. If you can do it in your own strength, that's probably not big enough. If you think you can handle it and you can get it done, it's probably not all God told you to do. Because God, God stepping, out in, stepping out with God means stepping out in faith. And it is bigger than where you are. And it is bigger than who you are. So Gideon goes down and he's got, his, he's got his group. And God says, you know what? It's a lot of people. Let's start paring this down. Tell all the chickens to go home. Anybody who doesn't want to go, anybody who doesn't want to fight, tell them to go home. So they all go home. And then he gets them drinking water back and forth. Then he finally gets down to like 300 people. Now... You're in the right place. See, how many times have you done something and said, okay, you got this whole plan figured out, and God begins to, like, hack your plan into pieces. And then all of a sudden, you're down to, like, I ain't got no plan. Exactly. Listen to mine. You know, I mean, how many times have you figured it all out? How you're going to be able to go do this? I was talking to Corey today about some things, and, you know, how many times have you been, maybe get a little more money at work, and you think, oh, awesome, a little extra, and there's something else you got to pay for. Thank God, what's the deal? You know? He said, well, you had enough, didn't you? Yeah. But I wanted that to be kind of my slush fund. I wanted to keep that, you know, I wanted to put that in. Why don't you trust me? Okay. That's usually the way that it goes. You know, in, in our life, it's always God providing. And he's finally got us to the point where we say, okay, okay. We'll just keep walking in faith. Why, now, why? It's good to save. It's good to do all those kind of things. But in the back of your head, you're thinking, you know what? If this doesn't come through... I got a little over here just in case. You won't have that. Nope, it'll go away. It'll go away quick. Gideon went down with his 300. 
God pared him down, and he took all those things out of his life. God created you for good works. He knows what you need. But he also knows that you can't do it without him. Paul wrote in, Ephesians, in Philippians in chapter 4. He did write that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But right before that, he said, you know what? I learned how to live with. I learned how to live without. And I'm telling you what, wherever I am, whatever state, I'm going to be content is the word that he used. Which means I know who God is. I know what he does. And if I got a lot, hey, all right. If I don't have a lot, hey, all right. I am God's. He is mine. And I'm going to do what he called me to do. And I can do all things that he's called me to. That's the gist of that thing. We run around and start screaming that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We forget about the part that we've got to be content in whatever state we find ourselves. Like Pastor Pam, she just said that. Don't let your situation and circumstances get you all flipped out. Be content in who you are in Christ. Know who you are. Believe what God says about you. Because it always, always leads to victory. And here's the last part. And if you read the rest of Judges, you can go back and you can, you can finish it up. And you can read the rest of the story through Judges in chapter 7 all the way through 25 and then a little bit in, in chapter 8. But it was an odd way to go about it. You know, again, it's the horns and the breaking of the pitchers and the screaming, you know, the Lord and the sword and Gideon. I mean, it was all, it was all that kind of stuff. But if you go back to, to Joshua, it, was, it wasn't any different. It wasn't like they had a strategy or a plan. It was always something new that God was speaking. And when they went to, when they went to Jericho, they marched around seven times, but then they saw the victory. And then what did he do? He went out and he began to go after Ai, but God didn't say go after Ai. There was sin in the camp and there were some problems and there were some things. And so they were what? They were whooped. They were soundly defeated. And then he comes back and says, what's the problem? And God said, I didn't say go. There's a problem in the camp. You got sin. Go fix the sin. What did we say? You got to separate yourself from the things that are keeping you back. You can't have sin in your life. But then as soon as that got taken care of, what did God do? He spoke into their life again. And then he had to stand up and he had to believe it and he had to go after it. And when he got done with AI the second time, there was victory. It was different than it was at Jericho. And it was different for Gideon here in Judges. It was always God speaking something to somebody and somebody being big enough to believe what God said about them, to separate themselves. It was always a sin issue. The children of Israel were always going in and out. I'm with you, I'm not with you. I'm with you, I'm not with you. And then they're just cantankerous, the rest of us, because they're telling God, well, you let us out, you know, they tell their leaders, you let us out here to die, and blah, 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 blah. Well, heck, we've all said the same thing. We haven't said it probably to Pastor Bill, but we've probably said it in our own quiet time when we've been upset and we've been facing things that have been against us. Why did we come all the way out? Why did we give that? Why do we do this? It's never going to work. Maybe that's just me. I said that a few times. But I repented and I moved on. Joshua saw the victory. Gideon saw the victory. And then there was this situation that didn't look like it was going to happen. But in the New Testament, if you go to the New Testament and you begin to read about Jesus, he got up on a cross and he died. And you may say today, well, you know what? It's not going to ever going to happen. Hey, hold on. It didn't look real good at the end for him either. It didn't look real good for us when he was on the cross and he died. And they shoved the sword in his side. And then they put him in a tomb. And they rolled the rock in front of it. And then he sat there. I mean, it was Sunday wasn't there yet. And so there were a couple days that went by. That was, that was a time and a period where you had to begin to really believe that what he said was true. We can believe it now because we read the rest of the book. But at that time, there wasn't the rest of the book. They hadn't gotten to those pages yet. But see, it didn't look like it was going to happen. You may be sitting here and the devil's told you it's not going to happen for you. That's not who you are. That time's past. You've missed it. 
You've made too many mistakes. You're never going to be like that. Well, I'm sure there were a lot of people who were saying that, but then you know what happened? Sunday came. Sunday came and they found the rock, right? Rolled away. And they found everything and he wasn't there. And he had risen. See, th there's a moment here where Sunday's going to come. Sunday is coming. It may look like Friday. It may be Saturday. But Sunday's the next day in your life. Do you believe what he said about you? Not what he said about pastors. Not what he said about, you know, anything. Else. Do you believe what he said about you? Because that's the most important part. You can believe all you want what God says about me. That's fine. I appreciate it. But really, if it's going to mean anything to you in your life, it's going to take you any place in your life, you have to believe it about you. See, Gideon didn't have a chance to say, yeah, yeah, I believe that about everybody else. God said, no, you've got to believe that about you. And he had all the reason not to, you know. I mean, you know who he was. You know his family and all those kind of situations. I mean, he had reasons to think, oh, man, I don't know. But then he said, okay, I believe it's you. What do you want me to do? And then he had to step out. And then he got pared down. And then, but he saw the victory. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.